Hello and welcome to Neurodiverse Noise. I'm here today with Fate. Would you like to say hello? Hello. Tell us about yourself, your name, your pronouns, maybe start us off with a fun fact or two. Um, so my name is Fate Day. My pronouns are they, he, she. Um, one of my fun facts is I also have a podcast about being queer and trans. It's called Our Lives Gender Included. I basically just talk to other trans people about gender and how it interacts with different things. And my second fun fact is that I really like having like actual photographs of things. So like when I take pictures on my phone, I still get them printed out and I have like a whole photo album. I'm the same way. I have um, scrapbooks. I religiously scrapbook. So I, I have, that. I like print them out even with my like at home printer. So they're not all glossy, but I'll like tape them in and I, I like having physical copies too. I love that. So start us off. What is your neurodivergence? Um, I have anxiety and I have autism. And when did you first discover that you were neurodivergent? Um, so I always knew I had anxiety, kind of just because my whole family has anxiety. So they were just like, oh, yeah, fate being anxious, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I didn't really realize I had autism until one of my younger siblings was diagnosed with autism. And we were trying to, like, learn about it to, like, help her. And then we were like, wait a second. All of this sounds a lot like me. What has been your family experience with, um, with that? Like, has your family been accepting? Um, so it's difficult because I don't have an actual diagnosis. So sometimes they'll be like, oh, yeah, you autistic, look at you. <laughs> and then sometimes I'm like, you're not even diagnosed. Like, you can't even claim that. Like, don't even. And I'm like, I, but okay. <laughs> I find I had a similar experience at first with the whole um, accepting when it's convenient, like it's you're doing something weird. So you're autistic. But then you say like, oh, I'm out of spoons. So I'm, and then people are like, no, you can't use that as an excuse. I experienced that a lot. So it's like I really understand yeah. that experience. Yeah. On that note, when was the first time that you were aware of or noticed your race? So embarrassingly very very late um but it's because I was like I have a very big family like it's so large and it's all like half siblings and like half grandmas and like all of that um so like I've been around different races all my life so like it didn't it didn't matter to me it's like yeah everybody does these things we all do these things and we're all different colors who cares um but I didn't really realize it until like about middle school when kids at school would be like wow you're like the wrong kind of black person and I'd be like what what does that mean <laughs> I find it, this must be an autistic thing because I found out about like race as a concept pretty late as well I mm -hmm. um I was around uh, like you said all different colors all different types of people so I was like okay I just assume like people are different all people are different that's how brains work that's how skin color works and yeah. then in middle school was when like <laughs> I started being aware of like oh people people say weird things about other people why is that a thing and then it slowly began like my education of like um oh <clears throat> this is important and like people have different races and it's like significant to their lives and so mm -hmm. I started like educating myself in on that um on that front but I embarrassingly late as well because like when you're <laughs> surrounded by different people and you're autistic <laughs> it's like oh 
I, I, this must be what everyone experiences. Yeah. On average, do you feel like you think about your race or your neurodivergence more frequently? Um, are you saying like which one? Yes. It depends on the situation I'm in. Like, I I present very visibly queer whenever I go places. Like, even if I'm just looking more masked, like obviously to a lot of white people, I look like a boy or to a lot of black people, I look like a masked lesbian. It just depends because they have different perceptions of people. Um, so when I'm like, out in public around a lot of white people, I'm a lot more conscious of my race just because I know that they're going to think that I look like a black guy and that sometimes can be very dangerous. Um, but when I'm around more black people or people who I know don't actually like care that much about race or like are not actively like somebody I have to worry about as a threat, it's more than I'm worried about my neurodivergence just because I don't want to say the wrong thing or like... <laughs> have them be like you're fucking weird and then not talk to me when you do think about your race in what context is it in do you feel you experience more positive and negative emotions surrounding that aspect of identity <clears throat> so I when I have to think about my race it's usually a negative thing like if I don't have to think about it it's fine but it's mostly because I'm nervous about where I am and like my sister wanted to go to a Nickelback concert and she loves Nickelback. She's 10 and she loves Nickelback and it's the weirdest thing ever, but whatever. So <laughs> go sister. <laughs> so me and my stepmom and my boyfriend took her to a Nickelback concert and she loved it and she had so much fun. But there are so many white people that honestly definitely were staring at me like what are one of them doing here you know so it was very uncomfortable to have to think about my race that entire concert so like whenever I have to think about my race it's usually because I'm feeling uncomfortable with how other people are perceiving I find something similar not the same obviously because it's very different but I find something mm -hmm. similar with my transness with yeah. like if I don't think about it and I'm not perceived as a trans person or I'm in queer spaces I feel very much <laughs> like I feel I don't think about it, but if I'm in cis spaces or if I am in a space where I'm like visibly trans that I'm like comfortable in, I find I think about it a lot more and I think about it like in a negative context. Mm -hmm. The same for neurodivergence. When do you think about your neurodivergence? What context is it in? And do you feel you experience more positive or negative emotions surrounding that aspect of your identity? So... I don't really tell people that I'm neurodivergent unless I am close enough to them. Like I tell them about my anxiety, of course, because like everybody has anxiety. So, you know, um, but I don't tell people that I'm autistic um, very frequently unless I know that like they'll be fine with it. And sometimes I'll do things that I'll be like, oh, I'm real autistic in my head, but I won't say anything if I don't think I'm comfortable with them. So I don't really have any like positive or negative associations with it. It's more just like a calculation, I guess. <laughs> it's like, is this the thing I can tell that person or no? You know? That makes sense. Yeah. Like the logic versus the like thinking about it and the emotion part. Like logically, yeah. I know I probably shouldn't tell this person this thing. So I'm just going to move on from it. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you feel, how do you feel your communities differ beyond like with the neurodivergent community and like the black community um 
<laughs> I think the problem is they're actually very similar and that they don't want to think that they're similar. Um, like they are oppressed by pretty much the same group of people and every of their mannerisms are like, you know, stereotypes that people make fun of them for. And it's like, but they have different mannerisms and they have different culture and everything. So when you try to be a part of both of them, it is very difficult. Like when you're young and you're autistic and you don't think about race, you just mask to whatever you think is what you're supposed to mask to. And I, growing up, watched a lot of Adam Sandler movies and Disney Channel. So that's what I thought. You're supposed to be like funny and dress with a lot of layers. I look. <laughs> so then like getting into middle school where kids started to actually think about race and like, how come you've never seen this prominent black movie or this prominent black movie? Or how come you don't like this food? And I'm like, the texture is gross. And they're like, that's weird. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> and it's just, it's a different experience to have to try to like relearn to mask for a whole different group of people. Like it's it's code switching to another level, and I don't like it. For those who don't know what code switching is, do you want to give like a, a little um, definition of that? Yeah. So code switching is what most Black people have to do when they switch from being comfortable within their culture to being around white people. It's mostly for their safety, and it's mostly just to like adopt like a certain type of English, like not really AAVE, like the more acceptable American English. And it's dressing a certain way, wearing your hair a certain way, things like that. Um, but when you're around Black people, you can more like wear your hair however you want and say things however you want and like do all of that. So they code switch to feel safe. And when you're autistic, it is just a mask of code switching. And it's a lot. And it's real annoying. I can imagine that's like a whole nother layer of masking that I will never have to tap into. So like... That's really yeah. interesting to hear that they kind of mesh. <laughs> yeah. How would you describe your relationship on either side? Like, how does being Black impact your neurodivergence? And how does being neurodivergent impact your relationship with, like, your Blackness? Um, I think we kind of went over a little bit on that. But I just, like, I think I included that question to kind of elaborate a bit. Yeah, so... It is difficult to think about how my Blackness uh, interacts with my neurodivergence because I'm not that big in the neurodivergent community um, because, again, of, like, my internalized stuff and my family always being like, well, you're not actually diagnosed. So I'm like, well, I'm not actually diagnosed. Maybe I should just, like, back up, you know? And I'm kind of just, like, creeping on the outside of the community. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, I don't have to deal with that as often although I do know on TikTok to find a lot of like black autistic people we have our own like different hashtag it's hashtag autizzy that's cool <laughs> that way, I hadn't heard of that yeah so that way because when you look up autistic things like actually autistic on TikTok you see mostly white people so that hashtag is for like the black people who are trying to find out like is this a thing that black people do who are autistic um but in the Black community, again, I just don't really tell people I'm autistic. I mean, sometimes they can tell, of course, because I'm me. Um, but I just don't really tell people. So they're like, oh, that one's weird. You know, they just think that I'm acting white. They don't think that I'm autistic. And in a way, I am acting white because I'm using my white mask and not my Black mask. So they don't know that. But 
they're just like, that one's white. I don't know. I'm going to skip over a few questions because I feel like we have touched on them a bit. But okay. tell me something that you love about being Black, something that you feel brings you joy about being Black. I look amazing. I look so awesome. Um, and like, I know it's like a whole joke, like the Black don't crack thing. But like every time I see an older Black person, I'm like, they're probably like 80 and you don't even know. That's how good. That's how good we look. I love it. Now, on that same note, do you have something like that for being autistic? Yeah, I like I like being able to communicate with people. I think it's difficult for neurotypical people to communicate what they actually want to say, which is one of my most, my biggest pet peeves about them. Um, they, like, have to say these different things to be able to say what they want to say, and they can't just straight out say it. And I, I'll just say it. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I feel like communication and then autistic joy is definitely like something yeah. that brings me like joy brings me the most joy. It sounds redundant, but it really is just something that sometimes I feel bad that neurotypical people won't experience autistic joy because it's just yeah. something that's so like out there. And so like it's unhideable and unmaskable. Sometimes you're just so and happy. It's like, it's like and it's so intense, like it's such an intense joy that like yeah. you're just like you can tell that I'm happy. Mm hmm. It's definitely like uh, if I'm stimming and like I sometimes I can't even get a word in because I'm so stimming or sometimes I'm like no one else can get a word in because I'm talking so fast. But it's just <laughs> this pure joy. It's intense and it's it's something that's un unbeatable. It's it's yeah. a great feeling. Yeah. So do you have anything else you want wanted to include? Anything um you want to bring up? Um. I do want to say that I think a lot of Black people are autistic and don't want to get that checked out because they don't want to be seen as wrong. So they just work really hard on their Black mask more than their white mask because you'd be more accepted in the Black community anyway than you would in the white community usually. So <clears throat> like sometimes I'll encounter some Black people who I think might be autistic, but like they're very deep and they're like, I it's not me, you know, like I'm not, not me. And it's very... Uh, it's very toxic just having to like have to pick one side or the other because of the community that you're in it's like being queer a little bit because like when you're queer and you're in the black community it's getting better now because there's a lot of young black queers but w a while ago it was not like a lot of the older generation would be like don't don't do that why would you do that you know and it's so weird that they would think that because a lot of like our rights came from black trans women. So you're like, why would you, you know, yeah. disown like your community like that? But it's because they don't want to be seen as different. They don't want white people have another thing to hate us for. And I get it, but also we're a community and I feel like we should stick together no matter what, especially because I mean, not you specifically, but like the general system of racism is not going to accept us. Like, that's not how that works. Yeah. If you could say one thing to the Black community about being neurodivergent or the neurodivergent community, what would you say? Like, no judgment, something you could just say and be heard about. I don't know. I just, I would like it if Black people in general were just a little bit more accepting. Like, I get being closed off and being like nervous about 
any sort of differences in your group. But also, all Black people are not a monolith. You can't expect them all to be exactly like you and like all the exact same things like you. Like, I have to search out Black nerds or Black autistic people or Black queer people because they're people that feel like they're not, they can't be a part of the community on either sides. So they have to have their own small community. And it would be nice if we could just, like, hang out with you guys, too. <laughs> and on the flip side, if you were talking to the wider neurodivergent or autistic community, what would you say, in, in regards to race or anything, To what would you want the message to be? Um, that white people are not the default. I know that they are in most media and everything, and it's real hard to forget that like other races exist, but there are, you know, Latinx autistic people and there are Muslim autistic people and there are Asian autistic people. Like there are different races and it would be nice if sometimes the more like prominent and famous autistic people would be like, hey, here's another autistic person of this race. Do you want to hear something about something from them? You know? Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like the face of the autistic community has been very white for a very long time. And it's, it really, I would like it to change. I want to say that it needs to change, but I feel like the second I say something needs to happen, people are like, no, nothing needs mm -hmm. to change. It's like, yeah. But I definitely agree that like other races should be the forefront of the autistic community of so many different communities because like I it's so easy to fall into the white is the default with the way that normal society or like neurotypical society presents things. We don't mm -hmm. need that same issue to happen with autistic and like neurodivergent society. Like we we are creating yeah. our own community basically from like the ground up with like people um of like all different races experiencing the same experience. So like mm -hmm. we should elevate everyone of different races like equally if not more so people that are other than white because like white is just one thing in my mind it's just yeah. white people are just white but then we have like like you said like latinx autistic people we have black autistic people we have like all sorts of different autistic people it's like we need to elevate everyone I, yeah. I don't I have very strong feelings about that I don't yeah. I don't think I've ever met anyone in the autistic community that's like um that's I don't know. We I have not a lot of people are comfortable talking about race. I haven't met a lot of people yeah. comfortable talking about race in general. So it's like it is difficult to talk about race now, especially after the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, because the whole like you had to be seen as an ally thing, you had to have like Black Lives Matter in your bio and like you had to really show that you care, even if you didn't actually you have to look like an ally. So it's very difficult to talk about race with some people because some people actually just aren't allies and they just want to mm -hmm. pretend to be allies. So when you try to talk to them about it, they're like, Yeah, no, I believe Black Lives Matter, like we're fine, like we don't even have to talk about it, blah blah blah. And you're like, Okay, but like it it is an issue I would like to talk about. Yeah, and, like, I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that, like, putting BLM in your bio isn't the same thing as, like, really being educated on, like, systematic racism. And I think yeah. some people think the performative activism is enough when it comes to, like, that kind of thing. Like, like you were saying, people are like, oh, I don't have to talk about it because I have BLM in my bio. It's like, no, yeah. that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, they think that, like, just because they are on the quote-unquote right side that like they don't have to have conversations about it the conversations are for people who don't understand and you're trying to convince them but the conversations are for everybody because mm -hmm. we still live in the racist system we still need to dismantle it and redo it but like 
it's not going to happen if we don't talk to anybody about it. I think, um, I, I don't know if this happens at all with like you and other black peers, but I think it's something similar where like, I constantly talk about like trans issues with my trans friends. And like, we, mm-hmm. even if it's an issue that we both like comprehend and understand, we have that conversation and like, um, we talk about it as if like, we just bond over it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, we both know these things, but we still talk about it to like dismantle, like internalized ideas to like reinforce the ideas that mm-hmm. we want to believe and stuff like that. Yeah. And the problem with the convincing is that a lot of those times those people are like ignorant on purpose. Yeah. So like if you only talk to the people you're trying to convince, it doesn't matter. I definitely agree because a lot of people are just so closed off that it's like it doesn't it's not productive to scream your lungs out until your face is blue for them to just listen because they're not going to listen they're not going to hear you but it's important to talk with like your friends and your family and like people that you might be able to like know that you're on the same level but just talk about it is still important talking about it's important I mean yeah which is why I think things like this are important I mean like on a smaller insignificant level like I personally I watch all movies I think all movies are great and I don't give a shit you're like this movie's bad I'm like you're wrong it's a good movie (laughs) but like when I like privately on my own like watch like a movie analysis where somebody's like it's wrong for these reasons I'm like oh okay yeah no that movie's wrong sure it's bad I gotcha so like things like talking about it on a podcast where people can find this information on their own and not have to like confront another person with it and feel defensive about it is also really good yeah I think um I think the defensiveness is an issue, but I also think it's an issue that's not going to go away overnight. So it is yeah. important to seek out education on your own time and like things like podcasts, YouTube docu-series that you watch at 2 a.m., like those kind mm-hmm. of things. Those are definitely the things that like um, I feel have brought me the most like authentic education. It's like yeah. um, resources that I can seek out on my own and then like like you said, like the movie, if if someone says this is why it's wrong, it's like, yeah, I understand that. And you're not yeah. like face to face with someone where you're processing things slower than they want you to. And then they mm-hmm. over explain and then you're more confused because then it's like you can pause, you can rewind that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I really yeah. like um, I like I like doing this podcast because I definitely like being a resource, but I also just enjoy talking about neurodivergence. So <laughs> that's yeah. a big reason for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like talking about being queer. So I think it's one of my favorite things. Well, that gives us a segue to talk a little bit about your podcast and then we can wrap up if you want. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of why I created my whole podcast. I always wanted to start a podcast because I've been listening to podcasts since I was young. I love them. I think they're so cool and fun. And it's always like you have a little friend in your ear no matter where you go in. I think it's my favorite. Um, but after I found out that I was non-binary, I was like, huh, okay. But like, what does this mean for everybody? And like, so I was looking on TikTok and like, I made a lot of friends with a lot of people on TikTok who were basically trans. I was like, if you've got they, them, or you got a little trans flag in your bio, I'm adding you. Like, I don't care. That's what's happening right now. And <laughs> so I just, obsessively was like, I need to find out about gender. And then I was like, okay, okay, this is, like, sort of helpful, but, like, I want to know specific things, you know, mm-hmm. so I started my podcast, and I was, like, okay, if you want to be on this podcast, so just talk about your gender and how it interacts with stupid shit, like, I've done episode on autism, I've done 
an episode on ADHD, but I've also done an episode on like movies, you know, and like weird shit like that. Like I just, it's whatever. And I like to be able to see how those things interact with like your gender and it's different for everybody. So like, of course, eventually I'll redo different topics with different people, but it's just really fun to think like talking to somebody about video games and gender and then being like, yeah, I don't know what's going on with guys and video games, but like, <laughs> this feels like an everybody thing, you know? And it's just really fun. I am excited to do your episode after this. Um, so I think we, unless you have anything else to say, I think we're all good to wrap up. All right. Yeah, I'm good. Well, thank you everyone for watching. Have a great day, night, afternoon, and I will see you in the next one.